Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really, quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbuster. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extra Plasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that believes what the Ghostbusters fandom really needs for the future is a re-edit of Ghostbusters 2 that replaces the singing of Auld Lang Syne as a plot point that disempowers Vigo with Neil C.C. Rega's Bustin' remix of Ray Parker Jr. Because that would make us all feel good, right? I'm your host Jim Maritato, aka Maniac, on the internet, and welcome to the first episode of 2024, and the first bad idea of 2024 to kick off the podcast. If you weren't around for episode 64 to hear the New Year's special commentary episode, Happy New Year, and if you were around, Happy New Year again. This episode we're chatting with Justin West of the Strange Glow video podcast, and processing our reactions to the recent Hasbro toy releases that have turned up at a local toy retailer in Austin, as well as via Target.com. Justin is a friend of the show who last visited with us nearly 20 episodes ago, uh, back in episode 47. So it was nice to catch up and touch base with him and to chat about the toy offerings we've seen so far and more broadly about how the toy and action figure industry is changing. So we'll jump into that conversation with Justin and our thoughts on the exciting reveals we're getting as Hasbro's toys are trickling out into retail availability in a few moments. But first, we've got a few housekeeping items to handle and, of course, a few headlines. Uh, So in terms of housekeeping, the first thing I want to let you know is that Extraplasm is making a regular weekly release move to Wednesdays. Uh, We're going to we've been off that schedule of, you know, the Tuesday release routine for the holidays. We had two weekend release holiday special episodes and our normal Tuesday routine has been kind of disrupted. Uh, But beyond that, what most people don't really know is that Extraplasm is often put together in the very wee hours of the morning that you get it. Uh, meaning that I am often up very late on Tuesday nights, sometimes until like 5 a.m. So that, that way you can have a podcast at 8 a.m. And that often has meant that over the last six months, I've gone to work on very little sleep on Tuesdays, uh, which is probably not that healthy. And there's always something, though, at the same time that I wish I got done in an episode or an idea that gets left on the cutting room floor for constraints of time. And often Extraplasm comes out. Uh, you know, on Tuesday with news and information as recent as Monday, but the news and entertainment marketing cycle often means that we see new news on Tuesday. Uh, So for the first half of this year, I think we're going to have a little greater flexibility with my Wednesdays. I I actually prefer to stay up late and do it kind of at the last minute. So you have the most recent coverage to talk about. And because late at night, there's nobody around making noise when you want to record. Um, so given the factors I've kind of covered a few minutes ago or over the last few moments, it's going to make for a better experience for us all to make this change. And I will admit as a creature of podcasting routines and habits who gets very used to having specific, you know, commentary on specific days of the week and whatnot, I can appreciate that this might be a little annoying if you've really made extra plasma part of your Tuesday listening schedule. But I hope that this won't be too much of an inconvenience and that any temporary pain is offset by a better show. Uh, and a much better and more, you know, better rested host. <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll be making that change. Obviously, you're listening to this on a Wednesday if you're listening to it on release day right now. But moving forward, expect that you're going to be getting your extra plasms on Wednesday as opposed to Tuesdays. Uh, and that's a good thing, I think, for all of us at the end of the day. The second piece of housekeeping news to know about is a quick reminder 
that the extra plasm Ghostbusters Frozen Empire poster bu- poster bundle sale uh, benefiting Starlight Foundation is live. For 50 bucks, you can get yourself a bundle of one full-size single-sided Frozen Empire poster and four mini posters shipped directly to you, uh, but that is only for folks in the domestic United States. Uh, sorry, international folks. Uh, poster shipping is expensive. <laughs> um, so uh, 80% of your purchase goes to benefit Starlight Children's Foundation, the organization that provides uh, health improvements in quality of care and life in hospitals for kids through play and entertainment, uh, and that you may remember was part did a very very cool uh you know fundraising opportunity and initiative last year to develop starlight gowns for kids that are ghostbusters themed uh, so that that way kids in the hospital who want to dress up as their heroes as they try to battle against an illness are able to don a flight suit and you know wear it throughout their experience being in the hospital and feel a little safer and have a little more fun i've said this in the past that i love starlight because they've done things for years like provide uh, video game consoles within hospitals for kids so that way they can you know still have some experience of fun while being uh, away from their friends and families etc and dealing with some otherwise pretty scary and hairy stuff and so uh, that means that you know if you support this initiative if you decide you're going to spend fifty dollars to get what is amounts to four mini posters and a full-size poster forty dollars of every fifty dollar contribution that gets spent on those bundles will be slated to benefit those kids Uh, And you'll be able to make sure that you've got the poster in two size formats with extra mini posters to spare if you want to send one to the containment unit for a signing project or if you want to send one off into the universe in hopes that Bill Murray will sign it or just if you want to hang one at work or one at home uh, or do something reasonable like that with them. Uh, So there will be a few other things added to this sale this week from my archive of extras, some of which may have been things that were difficult to get. Uh, when Afterlife was released and that aren't sitting at Ollie's on clearance, despite being Hasbro products, hint, hint, wink, wink. So where do you find all this stuff? www.ebay.com slash USR slash Extraplasm. Uh, feel free to hop over there and follow the account to get notified as things get listed because some closet space is getting cleared here for a good cause. And you can, you know, uh, benefit from that by grabbing some of what I'm going to have up for uh, for grabs. You can grab what's up for grabs. That makes sense. <laughs> um, okay. So with our housekeeping wrapped up, let's find out what news has taken place since the start of 2024 in Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country. The Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. All in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm. Read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. There's no new Ghostbusters Frozen Empire production news at this point, though arguably we might be waiting for another trailer before the movie releases in now just over a dozen weeks. But where are we getting some light reveals of Frozen Empire right now? Merchandise releases. Uh, So fair warning, while Justin and I remain spoiler-free in our discussion of toys this week, if you're trying to remain completely tabula rasa, which is Latin for clean slate, uh, and you want to be completely unexposed to information about new ghostbusting tech in the new movie, you might want to skip about 10 minutes ahead from right now in this podcast when I'm done talking about uh, the toy releases that came out this week. So take a moment if you need to and feel free to skip ahead. And if not, um, during episode 64, I told you about discovered Fright Features figures for Callie, Bruberson, and a slightly older Phoebe as well as Trevor, 
uh, but that each of those figures are coming with a pack and stretchy slime themed rubber ghost. Uh, and you can find images of those over on Ghostbusters news as they were discovered by uh, folks from the Austin Ghostbusters and have since be spread across the Internet like wildfire fire. But of course, Jason has them to grab easily. But if you're ready to hear about some reveals that have turned up at Target since the start of the new year, then keep listening. Uh, so shortly after midnight on New Year's, I kind of had this hunch to check Target.com to see if anything had been you know, gone live that might have just been scheduled upon the ending of embargoes. Uh, and I, to be fair, I have some old boxes from the Afterlife release of products that had a 1-1, meaning January 1st, uh, release date in terms of embargoes being lifted on those products. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking here about um, slime labs that were sold in not here in the U.S., but overseas. Uh, in Europe. And so I kind of had this hunch sitting awake after midnight, after the Ghostbusters 2 commentary was on YouTube and thought, I wonder if there's anything that has had its embargo expire at January 1st that might be posted on Target. And lo and behold, there was. Um, and so uh, the first thing it turned up was a new version of the Ecto-1 uh, that has been developed based off of the mold for the Fright Features Ecto-1 that came out in uh, for Afterlife. And this new version of the Ecto-1 has some new features on it that kind of tell us a plot point of the movie. Um, it's obviously repainted to look like the Ecto-1 does in Firehouse, or rather Frozen Empire, uh, and at least in the quote-unquote Firehouse filming we saw back in June in New York City. But it also has a brand new quadcopter-based drone ghost trap uh, that mounts to the top of the car. And this is very likely what was seen inside of a white cowl or housing on top of the Ecto-1 during filming in New York City back in June. So the first thing I will say about this is that those of you in the prop building community, prop fanatics, begin your build now. I expect to see many drone traps with built-in GoPros soaring over the Dragon Con parade in September. Um, so let's get to work. Um, but the other thing I'll say about this is that um, this is an interesting thing to see that they are taking the existing car model and updating it. And in, in the same way that you saw the old Kenner you know, series get an Ecto-1A that was based off of previous model with some changes to it. Uh, and so, you know, will we continue to see the Ecto-1 change as movies come out? Will we get a new mold in the future? Who knows? But there's another piece there of this release that was kind of interesting that was more subtle. And it's that the Ghostbusters Ecto-1 that they're putting out has copy um, that says the following, quote unquote, this is a direct quote from the Target website for this product. The Ghostbusters Ecto-1 vehicle toy is compatible with the Fright Features 5-inch action figures and the Hasbro Ghostbusters 3.75-inch action figure set. Now, that doesn't make any sense because we don't have a 3.75 inch action figure set. In fact, there's never been a licensed version of a 3.75 inch Ghostbusters action figure set. And certainly not one from Hasbro, because that doesn't even just say like, you know, in general, 3.75 inch. No, it literally says the Hasbro Ghostbusters 3.75 inch action figure set. So what does that mean? Uh, given that the only 3.75 inch action figure set that exists is unlicensed and produced by a member of the fan community. What's up, TCU Toys? Uh, but so does this mean that Hasbro is releasing a 3.75 inch set? Does it mean someone who writes copy for Ghostbusters toys thinks there's a 3.75 inch set? 
Who knows? Uh, but you can be sure that I have tons of questions and need them all answered immediately. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, I, I'm hopeful that that means maybe we're going to get a three and three quarter inch figure set that would be in scale with, you know, G.I. Joe figures. That would be kind of interesting and cool. And in that world, I actually might be able to fulfill my dreams of having licensed figures that fit inside of a licensed Ecto-1. That that would be crazy. Um, I, I would, be, would be crazy to buy another set of four Ghostbusters figures to get it done. But it's something I'm willing to do if it means I get to put Ghostbusters figures from the movie inside of a car from the movie um, as opposed to just having cartoon action figures that I can do that with. Do I harp about this often? Is this something that, you know, maybe I, I find really important? I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> the other toy that was found, the second one that I discovered uh, out on Target was the Zap and Blast Proton Blaster. Um, and this is an updated roleplay Neutrona wand toy that is a bit like the Mod Blaster from the Afterlife toy offerings, but with different interactive features. Uh, to be fair, there wasn't a video of this in action to see what it sounds and looks like. There is video of it like sort of rotating <laughs> on a Lazy Susan uh, to give you all angles of it, but they, they didn't show what it does um, in terms of the video coverage that's provided on the Target website. Uh, so it's clear from the description that it has multiple modes for locking down different kinds of ghosts. And from my perspective, two of its greatest features that set it apart from the last offerings are that it isn't bright blue and it has caution stripe on the handle. And obviously that immediately gives anything that's Ghostbusters themed bonus points. The more caution stripe you have, uh, you know, the more points you get. So uh, this is something that is probably won't be something that ends up in my collection because I don't need more role play toys, but it's going to be a, an option out there for people who want to either, you know, provide a, a role play option for their kids or who potentially want to go and find yet another mod, you know, another thing to mod. I've definitely seen people take the mod blaster from Afterlife, buy it at Ollie's for dirt cheap, repaint it and, you know, make some pretty cool stuff out of it. So if nothing else, this will be another thing to do that with, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm excited about this. There's these new toy offerings out there and they're starting to show up at target. Um, there's one final offering that was found out there that is not in stock. Uh, and the other two products were in stock and sold out very quickly once they started to spread throughout the fandom. But the third item is available on target.com with a listing, but has yet to have any inventory in stock. And that is the squash and squeeze slimer. Uh, that we previously discussed from episode 64 that turned up in the toy store in Austin. So uh, if you haven't seen images of these products already, you can go over to Target and search for them, though you'll need to turn the show out of stock items filter option on. Uh, fun fact, for those of you who've messaged me to tell me that these products have been removed from Target, no, they haven't. Um, they're still out there. It's just that the Target website by default doesn't show you things that are out of stock unless you go into the advanced settings and turn the toggle on to show you out of stock stuff. Uh, so if you do that, that's how you end up finding things that nobody knows are out there yet. Hint, hint. Um, but for easier access, if you don't want to go mess around in the search settings on Target, uh, you can take a look at my posts on the Extraplasm Instagram page because I have all the same product images that were reposted there. Or you can go over to Ghostbusters News and check out Jason Fitzsimmons' coverage of this. Um, I was credited there for the, as being the person who kind of gave him the stuff. So it's the same content that I had there as he's got posted there as well. Um, I'll withhold my my sort of further discussion of my feelings on this because you're going to hear about that a bit from Justin and I in a few moments, though, as I point out in this discussion with Justin, um, you know, he's already found shelf tags for these products and an additional low priced and yet to be discovered Ghostbusters collectible offering. 
Uh, so, you know, all the Target stores are currently in the midst of doing their post Christmas season or holiday season re-roll where they're going out and sort of re-putting out the shelves and taking stuff off and putting new stuff out there. And so the toy departments are about to have their sort of uh, redeployment period. And you'll find that there are going to be spots on the shelves for these products out there. So know that if you're looking for new Hasbro toy offerings, they're likely to show up at a target near you within the next few weeks. And yes, this certainly conflicts with my speculation from just a few days ago in episode 64 that they would show up at Entertainment Earth supplied retailers way before Target. But let's just be happy that I was wrong about something for the right reasons or something. (laughs) In not explicitly Frozen Empire related merch news, uh, Ghostbusters News is reporting on two new Slimer offerings that are going to be coming from HalloweenCostumes.com. One of those things is a new Slimer candy bowl holder that uh, is going to be priced at $39.99. Uh, This is not unlike other candy bowl holders that exist already, and this is going to be, I think, essentially in scale with the Stay Puff Bowl that they've put out in the past. So these are not the ones that are manufactured by Ruby's previously. They're new ones. Um, So this is slated to release, I believe, in June alongside a new inflatable costume that's going to retail for $59.99. I thought this was interesting because this is an inflatable costume that looks almost like you're inflating a pool toy that has a clear window in his mouth (laughs) that you look out of, which is a kind of a new way of structuring this costume. I'll kind of, we'll kind of leave the option for you to go take over to Ghostbusters news and take a look at these where Jason has previews of these images and he'll obviously be getting these to review them in the future. Uh, But go ahead and take a look at those. They're interesting options that are out there. They're not yet obviously available for shipping, but they will be out in June. In unofficial merchandise news, if you've not seen it already, the Phantasm Toys Viggy figure is now available for pre-order. Uh, this is something I've told you about previously that would launch on New Year's Eve at midnight, and it did. Uh, so if you head over to PhantasmToys.com, you can take you can order their take on Vigo as a floating head to help you ring in your new year as a season of evil, or you can sing upbeat tunes at it to prove your overall strength and superiority. Or, you know, you could just display it with your action figures and enjoy it like a normal person. It's up to you. But to get a Viggy, you'll need to pre-order soon because he's a limited offering. Head over to PhantasmToys.com to check him out, both in his Class 10 6-inch scale form as well as his larger XL format. In sort of kind of unlicensed merch news, because this isn't really merch, but it kind of is. If you've ever wanted to get a video call from the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, now you can. Uh, Mr. Stay Puffed himself, a.k.a. Billy Bryan, the person who invented and, you know, sort of not not invented the character, certainly built the costume, performed in the costume in 1984 and still maintains connections to Mr. Stay Puffed to this day. He's now on Cameo and recording video messages for the low, low price of fifty five dollars. And here's the kicker. He has a gigantic Stay Puffed head puppet on his hand in every video that he made. Um, So you get to have Mr. Stay Puffed's performer. Uh, holding Mr. Staypuff's head that he made in his hand, speaking to you as Mr. Staypuff. And so while you know may not have known Mr. Staypuff to be a chatty Kathy in the movies or the cartoons, on Cameo, you can have him call your friends to wish them a happy birthday or to congratulate them on their law degree from night school or to threaten some nettlesome little yarpers to be sent to someone else's house. Okay, maybe not the last one, but you've got to see the demo videos that Billy Bryan has up to see this Stay Puff puppet in action because it's amazing. And it makes me very excited that he was on board for Frozen Empire, presumably for effects work. 
Uh, and so before you ask, no, you probably cannot pay him $55 to have him tell you the plot of Frozen Empire via a Stay Puff puppet, but you can pay him $55 and dream of doing that. So uh, check out Billy Brian on Cameo. If nothing else, it's worth a few minutes of your time to go see this awesome puppet he's made uh, and take a look at his preview videos to kind of get a sense of what he's got on offer because it's pretty wild. It's 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 honestly I'm I'm impressed. I kind of want one. <laughs> um, can we get that as a HasLab? Because that would be dope. In Ghostbusters fan community news, there's not much to report yet because we're literally three days into the new year. But the Buffalo Ghostbusters want you to know that you should save the date in about six months. Uh, they have announced that Saturday, June 8th is their prospective date for the next fan organized Ghostbusters Day celebration at Hook and Ladder 8. Uh, the firehouse, obviously, that serves as an exterior for the Ghostbusters firehouse in New York City. More details will become available about this event in the months to come. But if you want to stay on board and know what's happening with it, you can go and find their event on Facebook and add yourself as a prospective attendee if you want to remain in the loop about the event as the details are released. So head over to the Buffalo Ghostbusters Facebook page and, uh, and you can find the event there to follow along with it. And finally, I you know want to maintain in 2024 that habit of giving you something fun and cool to go take a look at, even though I've kind of already told you that you should go take a look at Billy Brian. And there's a name I always love saying every time I get to say it. Fabrizio Fioretti has a new uh, piece of artwork that came out for New Year's and Ghostbusters News has the coverage of it. If you head over to Ghostbusters News and take a look at Jason's coverage of this, um, he has amazing uh, images that Fabrizio Fioretti did of Vigo sitting on a throne of blood in front of a stained glass window that is the pink river of slime behind him. Uh, and... There are a bunch of severed heads on pikes around him, and he has a cat sitting on the throne next to him. I want this like as a piece of artwork in my house. Fabrizio Fioretti, if you are out there, put this out as a print. I want it. I want it more than I want like a typical frame painting of Vigo, because this is, I think, hands down the greatest painting of Vigo the Carpathian that was ever created um, <laughs> I don't care about the original one from the movie anymore. I want this one. I want some, this is what I want. We need to go back and go redo Ghostbusters 2 and we're going to replace all Lang Syme with Bustin and we're going to replace the painting of Vigo with this one. Somebody's got to do it digitally. It's the new fan project. Whoever can do it, get in touch. Um, but you have to go take a look at this image. Uh, it's really great. Head over to GhostbustersNews.com and take a look at Fabrizio Fioretti's art. And of course, you can also go and follow his artwork itself. Um, he posts on, I believe, his art station page on a regular basis, and you can find his works over there. Or you can also find his work on his Instagram page over at FabrizioFioretti.art. That's F-A-B-R-I-Z-I-O-F-I-O-R-E-T-T-I dot art. Uh, so take a look at what he's got on offer because he's doing amazing work. He worked on... Um, you know, doing concept art for DNEG, crafting visual effects for Ghostbusters Afterlife, and he's continued to do a series of Ghostbusters uh, artwork that's inspired, uh, that he calls artworks inspired by the Ghostbusters universe. So go and take a look at this if you haven't already to see the collection of artwork he's got out there, but absolutely take a look at this painting of Vigo because I want it. I just, I, I want this so badly. <laughs> okay, so that about covers our headlines for this week. Let's go now to my conversation with Justin West as we dig in a little further 
to the forthcoming things that are uh, out from ha- from Hasbro and potentially maybe you're not quite supposed to be out yet because we didn't really quite get the official announcement about these as much as they just began appearing in stores. Uh, but nevertheless, we're going to talk a bit about them, what they mean for us as fans, how Justin and I feel about them. And we get into a bit of a conversation about the overall toy industry. So uh, let's go now to that conversation with Justin. Joining me on Extra Plasma Podcast, returning uh, as a recurring guest on the podcast, of course, he has his own podcast that is amazing that everybody should check out, Justin West of the Strange Glow Video Podcast. How are you doing? I am great. I really appreciate you having me back on the show. Excited to uh, do some Ghostbusters chat today. Yeah, me too. Uh, I always enjoy chatting with you, and one of the things that I thought would be fun for us to talk about is because it happened in the last, like, 24 hours was uh, the sort of sudden discovery of... Hasbro toys at Target. Um, they think that, uh, you know, you are a person much like I am who, when the toys drop at Target, you become a Hasbro hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you were at Target posting DPCIs and barcodes and shelf hangers within like six hours of this news being out. And I was like, I got to talk to Justin because Justin has the same kind of bones I do about Hasbro toys and uh, how to hunt them down. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Like, so I saw that post and I was like, okay, let me go check my local target. And I had to get some grocery items anyway. So it wasn't a big deal. I was going to make a run up there, but that just helped me pick where to go to get groceries. So (laughs) So I was able to swing by in there and they're like hands down in the middle of the reset already, which I was able to stop by a few other targets here in town and nobody else has started yet. So being able to get those off the get go is going to help. But I had to post those around for the toy community because you know how we get, you know, like the hunt of the yeah. toy is so exciting. It's like, oh, finally something to look for because honestly, I'm collecting so few lines right now that I don't even go to the toy aisle sometimes, like just because I'm like, hey, right. there's nothing I'm really looking for. And I'm like, I don't need to be tempted to buy something just to like <laughs> buy something I don't want, but just because I have the itch, you know, and I'm like, I'll just get on eBay or Amazon or try to find something later. You're not wrong about this. Like I don't go in the target toy section much anymore. To be fair, I try to avoid being inside target at all. Like not that there's good things about the pandemic, but one of the things that happened as a result of the pandemic is that target just got their a game on drive up. Like, and they never stopped having their a game on drive up. I love target drive up as the greatest thing that's happened at target in years. And so I tend to avoid going inside entirely if I can but when new toys come out, I am tempted. And the last time I ended up wandering down the toy aisles, I w- walked out with Beavis and Butthead reaction figures for absolutely no reason. I don't collect reaction figures. I don't have any other Beavis and Butthead merch. But I was standing in the toy department and went, well, these are kind of cool. I would have enjoyed these years ago. Maybe I'll enjoy them now <laughs> and bought them for no reason. So I um, completely relate to this. It's uh it's dangerous to go in the toy department if you're not actively collecting because you may suddenly find yourself collecting something new that you didn't intend to. <laughs> Absolutely. And I see, I feel almost jealous of people who collect turtles, but then I don't when I realize like there's 20 lines of turtles going on right now and like they're all <laughs> releasing the same thing of different types, but they got a lot of the vintage re-releases going on right now. So I saw the mutating turtles and I was like, eh, I had some of those as a kid. That'd be cool. I was like, but I don't really need that. I'm like, that's money I could better spend somewhere else. Well, I will say that uh, I thought it was funny when you posted these photos. And if you haven't seen them, folks, like we're talking about photos that Justin posted off in uh, the YHS Discord. And I'm I'm sorry, YHS Facebook group. The Yes Have Some group therapy group. Um, And I'm sure you posted them on your own social media and stuff, too. Yep. But 
the thing that I laughed about at first was I saw your post and I very snarkily internally went, well, of course you found the DPCIs. They're on the listings for the toys that I found and posted to the Internet earlier today. So congratulations, you found the DPCIs. And then I looked closer and realized that you had found one for something that I hadn't found yet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what'd you find? And it became the rest of my day was that you have a shelf tag that you found a photo of for an item that's $7.99 and is listed as Ghostbusters FHS Collectibles. And I went, well, the only things that we've seen so far, like to recap on what we know is coming out because we weren't supposed to know yet. It's just kind of happened. Is that, yeah. you know, the Fright Features figures turned up in Austin and, uh, you know, Ghostbusters News covered that. And there was very clear that we're getting four new or rather three new figures and one re-release with a new mini ghost. Because uh, we're going to get the Callie figure, the Trevor figure, the Gruberson figure, and the new Phoebe figure. And and then we found out at the same time there was going to be this sort of squash and squeeze Slimer thing. And all of those have a price point that's like those those figures were priced at $14.99 in the retail establishment they were in. The squash and squeeze Slimer is like $29.99. And then mm-hmm. we found out that there's a new Ecto-1, uh, or rather the last Ecto-1, the last mold reused and repainted with some new features on it. And that's $29.99. So the question in my brain became, what's $7.99? <laughs> so I, I, a few thoughts on that. Um, they've got that kaiju looking stay puffed that's supposed to be coming out. That's like the stretch and ooze brand. He's not Hasbro. That doesn't mean they're not going to place it by there, though. Because when you look at Target toys, like they have all those by the Marvel stuff that's Hasbro, but those are their own brand. Yeah, but I thought your shelf tag said Hasbro on. That could be wrong. Oh, maybe it did. Because that's a Legends of Gujitsu figure, I think, is what that's called. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Shout out to Jason Fitzsimmons, who did a good good uh, video review of that thing where he shows just how stretchy it is. Yeah, I haven't seen those in stores yet. I'm looking forward to that one, though, because it's something silly and different. Yeah, so it could be that. Um, other thoughts on what you think it could be? I'm almost wondering if it's some sort of like small collectible like blind box, you know, like the head with that's the what I'm thinking. mini puffs. Maybe it's something a little yep. bit bigger, though, this time. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking something similar that like mini puff surprise. If you think about what its price point was pre pandemic was five seventy nine a can, I think. Um, and the blind bag sold for about the same amount of money over in Canada and in Japan because they didn't get cans of goop. And I don't think we will either, to be frank. I don't think that Hasbro will be silly enough to do another collectible in a can of crap that no one really wanted <laughs> to, to sift through. But. <laughs> yeah, see, I think they missed the mark there. I think when you look at it, new fans to the franchise or existing fans, casual fans, oh, that's really cool. Like they got marshmallow puffed. But anyone that ever collected a toy line from the 80s that has kids always tells them about the slime, whether it was He Man right. slime or that was Turtle Mutagen, like whatever that is, like that's what we really want. Come on now. <laughs> but when yeah. Mattel did their line like that with their blind bag minifigures back for 2016, they had the slime in a separate part of the container. And the figure in the top, so you could see which one it was. Right. And so, like, that would be something that would be cool to kind of do your own take on where you show the image and then you have the the monster or blind bag animal or whatever it is going to be in there on its own. Yeah, I, I'll say that the phrase collectibles, like FHS, which to me is like Ghostbusters Firehouse collectibles, mm-hmm. says something like blind bag figure, right? It says something that has some collectability to it. Like the other thing I was considering it could be there's two other things I thought of. One was remember the paranormal plushies in the mm-hmm. afterlife release? 
Yep. Those were like they were about seven ninety nine a piece until unless you went and found at Ollie's for like ninety nine cents. because i don't even know if i ever saw them in the store at a target but target was carrying them online at one point and the other that had a price point of about 7.99 was the ghost gushers those like weird rubber figures that had slime inside of them that all end up leaking in the packages and but i don't think we're going to see those again because they were originally intended to be something that went along with the slime lab that mm-hmm. we never ended up seeing in the U.S. and only got released overseas. So, yeah, um, I'm. My, I think Blind Bag is kind of like the strong guess here. You know, Blind Bag. Yeah, somewhere between those two levels because I think when you're looking at it, like I got one of those big slime ones, and luckily I got Muncher, but the slime was like falling apart or losing its viscosity. It was really like weird and separating like chemically when I got it, and so it was really gross. And then there's like a small mini ghost rat that came in there that like slime the muncher could eat or something maybe like that something right. else and i was just like yeah with those sitting around so long i don't know i just think they need to bring back the old school slime recipe but i'm assuming there's like something toxic in there that they don't want to get sued over these days <laughs> they're probably like, like nah california won't let this on the shelf we can't do that <laughs> We have to put those California proposition, whatever cancer warnings, like warning exposure to this product may expose you to benzene or something else that may cause cancer. The weirdest place that you see those signs, by the way, as a Californian is inside parking garages. They have them inside like every parking garage to warn you that the inside of a parking garage may expose you to chemicals that could cause cancer. And you're like, yeah, that's because of roads and cars. (laughs) That's uh, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah, to parking garages. Watch out. They're cancer causing. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, I, I do think that it's weird that uh, you're right. Like the last set of slime toys we got really did kind of just come apart at the seams. And in some ways, like the viscosity of that product seems to not hold up uh, in terms of shipping and the time that things spent on the shelves. And it made me wonder, like, will Hasbro dabble with slime again? given the logistical challenges that went on. And it's something I thought about during the strike. Like the last set of toys sat for so long because Mm -hmm. of COVID. And we know that some of it like likely sat on boats and exposed to temperatures. It wasn't supposed to be in because the ports were all shut down and stuff as that stuff was coming into the country. But when the strike happened, I was like, Oh God, Hasbro's going to have another situation where they have all these toys produced and the movie won't come out on time. And will they have another problem with this? You know, but I, it makes me wonder if they're even going to mess around with slime because if you look at those fright features figures that they have put out, they have pack in ghosts that don't really have so much fright features that you push a button on and then they do something, but rather like they just stretch. And Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be that they're like stretched to create the effect of your character being slimed. So, yeah, I think they're they're probably going that route. That said, though, I think that. Like I I picked up one of the Ninja Turtles ooze cans they released for the new movie over the summer just to see the viscosity of it and get a feel for it and see if it was like old school or not, because they had a little blind turtle that packed in with it. And that was pretty cool. Like it was pretty close, but it's still a little bit runny. And so you're just like, I just don't know if the shelf life's there for those things to be made to last like they used to be. Right. And that's like one of the only turtle things I've picked up in a long time because I love the turtles, but I just don't collect the line. I just don't have the space for it. There's too much out there. 
No, there's not. Of course, everybody should be collecting Playmates and NECA and Super 7 and every other version of Turtles that comes out. But I was going to say is I was trying to find a uh, while I'm talking to you. There's some game uh, that Mattel makes that is almost like it's kind of messed up. It's like a Chinese water torture game, but it, it involves slime and the idea of the game is like you don't want to be slimed or slime flies in your face or whatever if you don't answer mm-hmm. questions fast enough. And the concept of the game is something that I find to be something that is kind of like, you know, almost borders on <laughs> torture, which is why I don't know why anyone would want to play it. But they sell refills for the slime. And mm-hmm. I swear to you that the refills for the slime that they sell in they don't even sell it in cans. They put it inside of plastic bags that are then packed inside of boxes. And it is, I swear to you, the closest slime that I have seen to the original Mattel slime pit slime, like from Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's something, the only place I've ever bought it is at like the Mattel corporate store in El Segundo when I went there to go l- like look at their outlet store and they had pegs of this stuff on the shelf. And I was like, what is this? I had no idea the game existed. It just looked exactly the right color. It looked like the right viscosity in the bag. And I got it home and I was like, this is like straight up. Like somebody has taken the slime pit formula from 1989 and said, what can we do with it? Well, let's put it in a board game <laughs> like, <laughs> and we'll sell refills of it. Well, and Hasbro's closest thing they have on the shelf right now, because I actually made custom Ghostbusters after lifestyle labels for them to go with the toys. Like I've got them in one of my collection cases. Yeah, I just put them on there, but it's Play-Doh slime. It's kind of like a sparkly right. slime. They come in two different three packs, and that's pretty close. And that's one of the better slimes I found on the market these days. It's funny you say that. And by the way, the thing I'm thinking of is currently unavailable on Amazon. It's called New Goo, uh, and it's for a game called Interrogation. <laughs> so I'm not wrong when I'm like it reminds me of Water Torture. The name of the game is Interrogation, but the product is called New Goo. But what you made me just think of is that. I didn't understand this when Afterlife came out. Hasbro owns Play-Doh, right? Mm-hmm. And Play-Doh has an entire line of slimes at this point that didn't exist when we were kids. Like when we were kids, Play-Doh came in one form, Play-Doh. <laughs> That's all it was. When I was a kid, it didn't have crunchy things in it, didn't have sparkles in it, it didn't have bubbles in it, it didn't have any of the textural components that it can currently have. But the contemporary market, right, you can go and buy slime in all kinds of colors and you can buy cloud slime and fluffy slime and all even just variations of slime from, from, you know, Play-Doh. So it makes me wonder like, why hasn't Hasbro made this like, you know, cross branded effort to bring licensed stuff to Play-Doh, right? Like from Ghostbusters. Yeah, that would make sense. Like they could easily bring out that old Play-Doh mold or do something new with it, you know, to match it because that's still, I mean, it was a pretty cool set. Yeah, I have that set. I bought it during the pandemic. It was one of my like, oh, my God, the world is ending and I need to recapture my childhood to feel better because I can't leave the house purchases. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of eBay selling going on and buying them like the eBay hangs that YHS is doing at the time are a blast because you're like, OK, we're all in this together. We're going to hang out. We're going to shop and I'm going to get some stuff. <laughs> It's true. That's the period of time when I was logging online on Thursday nights or whatever and watching people be like, I'm making a several hundred dollar investment in buying a Pee Wee's Playhouse uh, (laughs) actions activity set because Mm -hmm. we're stuck in the house. And what else are we doing? (laughs) 
but I do have that Play-Doh set and it is one that, you know, I think for us as kids was iconic. It had the Ecto-1 in it. It had like a play mat. You could make your own ghosts. It had a containment unit that shredded the ghosts up in the little pieces and stuff. And it worked and fit well alongside your Kenner action figures. Like you could create mini ghosts with that and bring your action figures to the kitchen table and mm-hmm. everything could go together well, you know? So it kind of is interesting to me that like, you know, Play-Doh exists out there. Hasbro owns the license for it. They create everything alongside it, but they have yet to give us some sort of Ghostbusters theme Play-Doh set in the contemporary age where I just go, why? Like, what is it that, these two are these two divisions like action figures and play-doh just not talking to each other at all (laughs) at hasbro they still do that but i've seen some star wars crossovers and stuff but ever since toys r us went away because toys r us used to have a huge selection of play-doh cross-branded right and ever since they kind of went away it's a lot harder to find that you got to hit specialty shops or like online or like five below will randomly get that stuff in sometimes it's it's just so hit or miss so I don't think they're investing in that as much as they were even five or six years ago. It is odd, though, because like if you were to go and look right now at Walmart, like on Walmart.com, you can find a set for like the Play-Doh My Little Pony making style ponies. Mm-hmm. And it is straight up like it is a mold to make your own Play-Doh based My Little Ponies and hair for them and accessories and then decorate them. So it's weird because like they do have this synergy within their existing brands like they own My Little Pony. They own Play-Doh, so they have this synergy with the existing brands they have. But in terms of the licensing, it's I don't know what the choice is as to why they don't have a Ghostbusters Play-Doh oriented thing. But it does seem like a no brainer given that slime exists in that entire line. So, yeah, I think there's some really cool stuff they could do, but I could see them waiting to, you know, for the TV show or the animated movie to do some more of those tie over lines because right now at the main media, maybe they're trying not to do overkill and have stuff that doesn't sell well. Yeah. I think you've got to really hit that age range of those kids. They're going to want that because, and kids are kids today are completely different than how they were when we were kids, right? With what they want to play with and what they're into. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. Screen time takes away so much of like playing with toys that it's like a lost art form to the kids that don't know, but the kids that have like parents that love toys and collect them themselves. So like they've got everything your imagination can handle. <laughs> right. And I would think I was thinking about this and we can kind of get into a bit of like how you think of, you know, what, what you think of the toys offered so far and whatnot. Cause we're bouncing around a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the offerings that are out there this year and so far and what's being put out. And I'll just ask you like so of what you've seen so far and what you know is coming. You now know that there's like four Fright Features figures coming. You know, there's some Kenner Classics Fright Features coming. You know, there's a Slimer coming uh, and an Ecto-1. So out of the stuff you've seen, what's your reaction so far? Like, are you excited about it? Are you looking for more? What do you think? So the modern Fright Features line from Afterlife was probably my favorite toy line. Yeah. They did for the last movie. I just loved how the style of play was easy. Like the proton guns fit in one hand, even though they didn't look great you know, as far Mm -hmm. as like crossing over, but for a minimally articulated figure, I thought it was perfect. My kids loved them. I really got a kick out of those. So I was really happy to see them continue that line. And even when you look at the re-release of that, the packaging art is so different. I think they really nailed it there. A couple of the extra features there that uh, we don't have to get into just because we don't want to spoil anything. Um, I think those all make sense and make the, an easy sell to get another one. 
right? I mean, it's got the red stripe all the way to the front, which I think everyone's yeah. seen. And I'm, I really like what they did with the pack in ghost this time, did something completely different instead of just doing more of the same. And so if you're mm-hmm. going to keep doing the main figures looking the same, but the ghost pack and ghosts look different, I think that's really cool. Um, the re-release of the fright features, I can tell you that I honestly don't know if I'm even going to get those at this point because like I've got the Ray figure on card, unpunched vintage. And I'm like, why would I even need to buy the re-release of that? I've already got a Holy <laughs> Grail version of that. So, and then I've got several of those opened up, you know, like, a buddy of mine, I was able to get most of his collection because he knew I'd take care of it. And so I've got a couple of those in the collection already that are vintage and open. So like if I did want to play with one, I could. I feel like the number one seller from that line is going to be Egon. Yeah, I think so. Because everyone who has a broken tide Egon is going to need to replace their Egon from their from their childhood. <laughs> oh, and I'll call that out now. You know how they changed the material for the proton streams? Yeah. On the re-release, I think they're going to use that same more flexible plastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah. I think that the Fright Features line that's coming out, you know, the cl- the Kenner Classics one, I will end up getting them if only for the fact that my current Fright Features figures are in uh, pretty battle-worn shape, you know, so it's like they're not in the best condition. They came in a lot that was bought for me as a gift. Uh, my brother found a giant lot of figures and a firehouse for the wa- the low, low price of $25 at a garage sale. Uh, and then we shipped it cross country to me for 125, I think or something stupid, but you know, it was still a deal. It was like 32 figures and the cars and whatnot and the firehouse mm-hmm. that some lady sold him for $25 because he seemed nice. And she was like, you seem nice. You know what? Just take, who's it going to is he was like, it's going to go to my brother. He's a huge Ghostbusters fan. Well, it was all my sons. I wanted to go to somebody who's going to love it and take care of it. So $25, like, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a great haul, but it means that like I do have some figures that are not in the best of shape. They were all in a lot, you know, from a basement that had been left behind by someone else years ago. So I'll probably pick those up because I know that my Winston's jaw likes to hang open and, you know, like my my Egon's tie is broken. But I do wonder, like, who are they for? You know, like, because they're they're not if you think about who's going to play with them, like. I, I, the, our kids today don't know those characters like they haven't had the real Ghostbusters in the same way. And I think that's part of what you saw with the Kenner classics that came out, uh, you know, during covid is that the people chasing after them were us. We were not necessarily chasing them for kids. We were looking for them for mm-hmm. us because we were trying to, you know, fill some nostalgic gap. And so I kind of wonder who they're really for, you know. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I wonder. I mean, I'll probably wind up getting a set just because they're going to be released. Like I, I say that I I'm not huge. That's just the thing that it was like least interesting to me. I yeah. think for me to do something really interesting for Hasbro to do something, it's like you've already got the molds. You can't tell me Hasbro isn't aware of the Ecto Glow. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the market for those is insane. Like um, just re-release those. You've already got the molds made. I mean, they could easily do that. All they'd have to do is do the, the masks. Anybody Hasbro is listening to this. My advice on how you do a, do Ecto Glows, do them as a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. Like, mm-hmm. do them as a set. Do all the figures in one release in a box set together that looks like the firehouse or looks like the containment unit or something, you know, like the, the basement, and put them all in a box set together that displays well 
That way they're separate. They don't come on cards. You're not recreating the, all the entire feel of it. You would get people who would chase those down. They would be a good SDCC exclusive, I think. But again, that would be something that's for us. You know, it's like that's that vintage Kenner Classics line. As much as I like it, I really wonder how many kids are chomping at the bit to play with it, if that makes sense. You know, well, you're right, because so my mom, not knowing that I bought like everything Ghostbusters before, like there's an Ollie's that opened up down there where she's at. And she got my boys some stuff for Christmas that was Ghostbusters, not knowing they already had it, which, you know, they're still grateful. But I guess I did get those little uh, they're basically like little backpack plushies that plug on your backpack. Yeah. And so we got those, but my boys automatically put those and some of the Playmobil figures into one of the cases that I have like <laughs> Ghostbusters stuff on display. They're like, oh yeah, we open it, put it in there for you. And I'm like, you guys don't want to play with it? They're like, no, we got the drawer full of all the other ones. And that's the, <laughs> the modern release fright feature. So they just gave them to me because they looked like mine. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. I was like, okay, so you guys get it. You guys get it. But they still really like that Fright Features line. So that's what they're into. Yeah, with. and I, I do like that newer Fright Features line. And my disappointment with it in any sense was not like I, I thought that it was better from my standpoint than the Plasma Series line in terms of being toyetic and being kind of fun and lighthearted. And I think the thing I kept hearing people say was that they were like the figures we would have had if they'd ever made movie figures when we were kids. Right. Like especially the mm-hmm. the the, cl- the classic. Ghostbuster versions of those when they came out with Egon and Ray and Peter and Winston, each of them with a pack in companion ghost that did something. It was like, okay, these don't have fright features as figures, but the ghosts do. And they have the same scale and sense of, okay, well, this would be like if they made movie figures when I was nine, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think there was a thing that connected with us well in terms of the design of those toys, toys as adults, but they were also for kids of the fa- who were fans of the new movie, especially the new kid, the new kid figures. Right. I, again, I don't know how, what kid needed, a, you know, an, an Egon Spengler that came with a pack and ghost because Egon Spengler is not even really in afterlife. <laughs> you know, like he's yeah. he doesn't make an appearance that would be iconic and recognizable to a kid. Right. But. They resonated for us, and I think that they were kind of unique and updated enough that they came across as a good toy for contemporary kids, you know? But Yeah, and they did some other good job. I mean, the kids liked them, and then re-releasing those figures, my kids have seen Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2. Like, they don't really love it like I do, and I don't try to push it on them, but they like playing with the toys. But they knew who all the Ghostbusters were, so I was good with that. It was like, oh, awesome. So I think if you... If you have somebody that loves the original movie and has seen it, like that was a great way to supplement them getting their own toy line that went with a new movie as well. Right. Was yeah, it no, I, I agree. No, but it, it definitely fit the spot. <laughs> and, it, and it got us to buy two sets of, well, three sets of figures of other core guys. <laughs> so. This is which You're not wrong about that. I mean, we definitely went out and bought a bunch of the same core guys. And then there was, you know, the Plasma series. And then there was like the budget version that I don't think anybody actually saw in a store until it found its way to an Ollie's. <laughs> yeah. Those, Oh, the, those like taller foot tall figures yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Right. Ones see, that were like 12 inches tall that had like sticker backpack things instead of proton packs on them. Yeah. Yeah. I skipped that one and the cheap Ecto one for just for, I never yeah. found them all. And then I was just like, I, I really don't think these display all that well. I mean, I get it for a little kid. That's a great way to get a toy in their hand. that's safe. Right. So I'm, I totally understand the why, but it just wasn't for me as a collector. 
I think it's funny that you said earlier that like you, you know, that there's this a new version of the Ecto one that has new paint on it. That's got some new features. And so there is a rationale for picking up another one. Right. But what I find kind of fun about that is that I didn't pick up the last one. And the oh, okay. reason why the reason why I can remember distinctly in the moment feeling completely oversaturated because we got to the start of that year and the plasma series Ecto came out in January, right? Mm-hmm. Which didn't fit in scale with anything. So it was just no. like, buy this and display it, but it doesn't go with anything that you have at all, <laughs> but it is going to be the most realistic depiction of the car we're going to put out for this film. So you had to get it. Um, and then around the same time that that was kind of dropped, was when they also dropped the Kenner Classics Ecto. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, and also here's another Ecto one for these Fright Features figures that came out like a, a month later. And I sat there and I went, I just don't need three Ecto ones. And if I'm going to make a choice about which one I'm going to buy and between the Fright Features one or the Kenner Classics one, I'm going to go with the Kenner Classics because it fits with all my existing Kenner figures. <laughs> it's just like, I don't, I, I could get this other car, but it's only going to really be something that kind of displays well with my newer figures that kind of seem a little more, I don't know, uh, cartoony and mm-hmm. that kind of fit in the scale and the design of it versus getting the Kenner classics Ecto one, which all of my figures will interact with except for my five and a half and six inch tall figures, which is why I don't have a one twelve Ecto one and I should, but I digress. Um, <laughs> that is the biggest thing. And even when you look at what Hasbro's done in the past, like they did a fair amount of the Marvel legends in that 3.75 inch to four inch scale. And right. So I was like, Oh, maybe when they do that plasma series Ecto one, they'll at least give us like the four core busters or the kids or something like that in that right. scale. Because even when you look at like what Mattel did with Jurassic Park, they abandoned their Amber collection in favor of the John Hammond collection, which is the smaller figures because they scale with all the vehicles. Right. They realize they make a better quality figure at a smaller scale. And then you can use all those vehicles because those vehicles are all pretty well done. I mean, just for a collector's perspective. And yeah, you almost wish they'd do something like that. But then that just creates more buying issues for me, which I got to buy it anyway. So. You're not wrong. It does, you know, but, but I think that there is a point of also being selective about what you do and don't, you know, throw your money at and the success of some lines over others that, and to some extent, I wish that like there, there was an opportunity to say to Hasbro, like just narrow down to this, this, and this and do it well. Like they're doing amazing with the props. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. there's no question in my mind, like the Spengler one was sold at retail and that was great. Part of me really wonders if you could have just brought the PKE meter to retail and brought the ghost trap to retail as opposed to doing them as a HasLab, uh, because you can see that the the Spangler wand did just fine at retail, you know, so much so that they had to do a second run of them uh, when they put the proton pack out because they would sold through them. So but they're doing well at designing them, like if leaving the business model aside, the product that you're getting and comes out from the prop division over there is coming out really well. Um, in contrast to that, I think, and this is going to be my little, you, you can kind of weigh in on how you feel about this and don't, I'm not trying to put positions or opinions in your mouth. And this is also not to be hostile to Hasbro at all, because one, you know, like we love these toys and two, I don't mean to come across as overly critical at the people who are making design decisions, because I think there's design decisions and there's bottom line decisions, but I am a little disappointed. I'll admit that in these new Fright Features figures. I'm looking at 
three women figures now who all have the exact same body. And granted, like that's true of the men, the male figures too. Like there's one Ghostbusters body, you know, that they then just shove a different head on or they paint different colors onto the skin of. Mm-hmm. And it's one mold. But the one that's really driving me crazy is that like when they made the lucky figure and they made the podcast figure, they both had non-standard belts because mm-hmm. in afterlife, I don't know about lucky, but like podcast clearly is not wearing a standard ammo belt in the movie. So when they made his figure, they made his figure match having tied straps around himself. And Lucky's figure seems to be showing like some fashion belt with large grommeted holes in it. That's fundamentally different from the ammo belt that all the other Ghostbusters figures wear. Well, now the new Phoebe figure and the new Callie figure have the same belt too. Oh, okay. I did notice that. I see. Yeah. Right. And you go, okay, I get it. Like there's a bottom line issue here of like you want to reuse the same molds and reuse the same parts and producing three figures that have the same, you know, paint scheme and the same design to them because they're all wearing the same uniform. I get it. It makes sense on a bottom line level, but not on a sort of toy and display level, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so I feel like. Whereas that Fright Features line, the last iteration of it, did a good enough job of saying, look, we're going to have individualized body molds for each of these characters because they are teenagers at different heights and different stages of development, etc. Now that they feel like they have sort of more uh, older adolescent or pre-adult figures, if that makes sense, or borderline adult figures, they can just go, "Okay, cool. We just you know what? The Phoebe figure has the same body as the figure of her mom. And you go, I don't, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me, you know? Yeah. But if you look at who they're marketing for those kids, like they're not marketing those ones to us. Like if they do another, agreed. and like kids aren't going to notice, I mean, not to say that no child will ever notice that, you know, you'll get a few kids that might notice something like that and be like, well, that's kind of silly. Or you break one right. and need to repair it. Well, you know, <laughs> you've got a few options now, but I think it's going to be, do they come down and do another plasma series? But I guess the one mm-hmm. thing I've kind of noticed is that Hasbro's not really super interested in the ghosts. I mean, they didn't do an updated Gozer sculpt at all either, right? Right. And that build we a just, figure was the ghost. And then they didn't even do the second terror dog until they're like, oh, we're doing a a collector set. And then kind of threw the extra head in there as a, hey, here's an option right. for you. Right. I mean, and, that, and even when you look at the Lewis Tully um, special figure they did. Right. They didn't develop Mm -hmm. a second ghost. They went, no, we're just going to take the build a figure that exists that you already collected over the course of six other figures you bought. And now we're going to throw it into this pack as just the second figure and charge you 50 bucks for it, which I always thought was too big of an ask, quite frankly, for what, Mm -hmm. what that was. Right. It was a figure and a build a figure for which the parts already existed. So there was no new development needed to bring it to market. And so, again, these are not the que- that I, I think the creative designs of what goes on over at Hasbro are on point. There's a lot of love very clearly in the team that does all the Ghostbusters stuff. But there are bottom line decisions that get made that make me go, OK, what if you had you know made a slightly different decision and made this round of Ghostbusters Fright Features figures similarly have some variation between them, you know, mm-hmm. and I and we'll see you in the movie. Right. But I think that like. I have this sense that the movie is going to give us some of that variation with this many Ghostbusters in a movie like we've seen on the poster. There's like eight people on the poster dressed as Ghostbusters in one of those things. 
you're yeah. going to have some variation between your Ghostbusters. You're going to have to how, how they, you know, like just think about the number of people on a sports team who all wear the same uniform, but then they do the things they do with their hairstyles or the way they wear their stuff or whatever it is that shows how they're unique in some way. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to see that portrayed a little more in the toy line, you know, like it's not, it's not to say they're bad figures at all, but it's something where I go, okay, I can see where the cost cutting is kind of happening, you know? Yeah. When you look at, and I'm sure there's hesitation just due to, you know, I mean, they famously had their layoffs recently, but when you look at the toy industry, when you look at how kids these days are predominantly using screen time instead of like traditional toys, right? I mean, right. The toy market is now just as much for adults as it is for kids. And I think we're at a, a precedence, right? You go into Target, you go to the collector section up front, but then there's also collectors for adults in the toy aisles. So it's yeah, it, it's I mean, kind of there's, part of the problem there. I think is that people aren't buying in the volume they used to. What's weird about that at Target is like there's literally a section of Target in the electronics department that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> is like these are not toys. These are collectibles. <laughs> of course they are toys, but they are collectibles. <laughs> well, and I think part of that has to do with how NECA's licensing and legalese is like done because basically saying yeah. like these can't be done this way or that way. And that all makes sense. I'm I'm fine with that. It doesn't bother me a bit, but it is just kind of one of those things where like I would love to see a little bit more detail and care put into it, but at the same time, right. I would rather you have them release them all this way than not release them at all. I agree with that. I kind of hope that as we continue to see what other toys are going to be coming out in the line that we see some stuff that's a little more unique and new. Mm-hmm. I was joking yesterday that the um, zap and blast proton blaster. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was like, how is that different from the mod blaster? And I was like, it's different colors. <laughs> uh, it's different. <laughs> it has colors. a different piece on the front of it. <laughs> I think the attachment at the end is different and I don't yeah, think it, it comes off this time. Does it? No, I don't think it does either. I think that there's it's it is a fundamentally different toy, but the model, you know, kind of looks very similar to the last yeah. one. And so people were asking me like, well, how is this different from the one that's at Ollie's? And it's like, well, it makes different noises and it has different attachments on the front that that one the big pieces on the front don't come off. And instead, the proton stream comes off and some other little pieces come off and can be moved and configured. But I went, OK, that's cool. But by the same token, like there are those wands sitting around at Ollie's. So we don't have a dearth of reach of, you know, sort of role play toys right now that does the mm-hmm. same thing, given that there's overstock of that that exists. Yeah. So I kind of hope they give us something that's a little more unique than just kind of a rehash of the stuff they've already done. Because while I appreciate those fright features figures, and I'm glad we're getting, you know, we're going to get figures of Callie and Gruberson. I, also would like to see, like you said, sort of like it would be great to see ghosts. Like it would be mm-hmm. great to see a proper playset, for instance, that went with action figures as opposed to like a playset that is here's some slime goop in a lab. <laughs> well, I think the last movie wasn't really set up for a playset. I mean, they could have done a farm playset. Yeah. But that would have been an odd playset when you really think of the logistics of it, right? <laughs> it would have been like really weird because you would have had to like put traps into like a plastic dirt farm with maybe like the little um, electrical equipment out there that Egon's using to power it all. Right. (laughs) And then like maybe a a porch. So I think if anything, I would love to see like that and I'll call it the the modern fright features line. I would love to see them do a firehouse for that, which I would almost put money on them having to do just because I mean, that's obviously where this movie is going to take place. And it's going to be yeah. integral to that. And then 
then you're going to be able to have like a headquarters for them, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to do that. And then I'm also scared if they re-release the Kenner firehouse, like, are you going to take away sales from the new firehouse? It's going to be different, something fresh. Cause I right. honestly, rather than just release a, a brand new one. Oh, I agree. First of all, I'll say this. I don't think we're going to get a firehouse at all. <laughs> just, just in my, I want one, but in my heart of hearts and sort of seeing like how, um, how Hasbro is going through some financial woes and making cutbacks and things like I think that risk taking is not necessarily a thing we're going to see them do unless they can push the risk into a HasLab model. And so the only way that I think potentially we could see a firehouse come out as much as I think it should just be a retail offering, just like I think that the props should have been is mm-hmm. if they do it as a HasLab. But I am of the mindset that we don't need like I've heard people say, let them re-release the Kenner Classics Firehouse. And like, no, don't do that. Give me what I keep calling Ghostbusters Firehouse Origins, right? Mm-hmm. Like the way that Mattel did Castle Grayskull, it looks just like the old one, right? It's like if you put them next to each other, they're, you know, it's obviously it's better paint and the mold's better, but like you don't look at it and go, oh, it's not Castle. No, it is Castle Grayskull. And they took every feature of the existing old school, 40 year old Castle Grayskull and did something to update it in some way. They Mm -hmm. added a piece of technology to it. They did things to actually improve upon the existing design. And that's what I want to see somebody do with the Ghostbusters firehouse set. Like I want Hasbro to take the Kenner one and use it as a basis and then go, okay, well, how could we update this so we could put in like, a bell that rings like so that way you could push a button on the desk and the, and you would get the fire alarm bell going off. Right. Or, um, that you could have the fire pole be something that was based off of, I don't know, like a magnet platform as opposed to a rotating weird corkscrew device. You know? Yeah. And I think that makes sense. I mean, cause even if you look at, you know, turtles just had their movie. Right. And so you look at their playset. you know, they had the turtle van and then they had the sewer layer, which, looked pretty cool, but it's much smaller in scale than they used to be. Right. It just feels like with less kids buying toys for the big play sets and there was plenty on the shelf, like right after Christmas, I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. So I'm just thinking if they do it, yeah, they're gonna have to do it strategically unless they do it something where it's real simple and easy and like at an approachable, approachable price point. And also doesn't eat up a lot of shelf space because when you look at that Kenner box, that Kenner box is huge and there's just not a lot of space for that there. So it just doesn't make sense to be doing anything that big anymore. I mean, and the same goes for thinking about like a Castle Grayskull box. I mean, it's not like massive, but Mm -hmm. it's big enough on a shelf that it takes up room. Um, And I think a lot of the retailers are um, trepidatious. I've been joking. I mean, I think you know this as somebody who has worked in Targets in the past and kind of knows the toy game a bit in terms of collecting. The Target has significantly decreased their commitment to uh, space for action figures. They're kind of like said, we are going to take less of this. And I've kind of joked for a while that the thing to blame for that is the Marvel Eternals figures <laughs> that if you walk into a target during the point that Eternals was out, an entire end cap was just covered in figures that nobody was buying. Right. And so it's like at this point, a pretty much a known fact that target came back after that movie and after other movies and things and looked at Hasbro and said, you were going to reduce the available peg space for you on shelves because you have product that's just sitting here that doesn't go anywhere. 
at the mm-hmm. same time as that was going on, you watched some of the Mattel Origins figures that were just kind of like, hey, they've got, you know, 25 Beastmans in stock, <laughs> but not distribution of the rest of the line really well sorted out here. So yeah. those are also sitting on the pegs. So I think toy retailers, as much as like, it's kind of funny, Toys R Us is like trying to make a comeback, right? We've mm-hmm. all watched it die. And now it's trying to figure out a comeback inside of like a Macy's and be inside of department stores. But at the same time, your big retail chain, big box stores are still decreasing their commitment to action figures on shelves, you know? So that's part of why I think like realistically, if we're ever going to get a firehouse, it might be a direct mail order, like ordered via the internet kind of release as opposed to something that goes on shelves. Yeah. I could easily see him doing that just because the retail space is so slim. I mean, you just look at what they're doing to physical media. Same thing, like they're eliminating that space and using it for other stuff that sells better. Right. And right. we're kind of at an interesting point with the toys because they've got a lot more toys aimed at, a, I would say, a zero to a five or six-year-old market now, like more learning mm-hmm. toys and more outdoor stuff than they do like the traditional action figure aisles. Right. And I think that's their biggest thing is like, how do you get that return on investment for having that much retail space not to get that kind of sales pushing through but i also think just as a toy collector you see the stuff that's like peg warming whether that's star wars which star wars just needs a soft reset for a little bit they just need to like take some time off and get people breathing right. room um and you see the amount of peg warmers and it's like you need to stop making it so hard to get the figures that people want you know yeah. take those peg warmer figures and do one of those a box instead because people will buy them just due to the fact that they're hard to get. They may not be everyone's favorite character, but people want that. So I think they need to go opposite of the old school approach, right? Because when you look at the turtle figures and things like that, like how many figures did you get as a kid that they bought just because it wasn't the main character anymore? Right. Yeah, but it's almost opposite of that anymore. If you've only got a limited amount of retail spending, especially on action figures, you want to be able to get the exact characters you want. You don't want all the side characters and only ever see the side characters because the grown-up collectors like us are going in there in the morning and there's nothing left when you go shopping with your, <laughs> there's nothing left to buy when your uh you know your allowance or your money from yard mowing or any of that stuff like it's all wiped off right. the shelves because people are in there at eight in the morning when they open buying toys <laughs> so i think too like i think you're hitting on something too that kind of speaks to this idea that you know in the case of ghostbusters we don't get a lot of different characters instead you get this sort of like core four characters reiterated over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and in contrast to that, like the Marvel thing is we'll make a, we'll make a character of everything or star Wars, we'll make a character of every single thing that potentially existed ever on screen for even five seconds. <laughs> and then we'll try and figure out how to get people to buy those figures, even though they don't really care about them. And there's gotta be like some happy medium between the two. And to me, that happy medium is ghost figures. It is non humans. Mm-hmm. It is like, villains and things to interact with. And I think that that's part of what's happened to action figure collecting to some extent is like we get likenesses more than we do figures at this point, you know, and it's because that a likeness, a human being likeness is easy to reproduce. Like the body is not going to be all that different from other bodies. They're going to make the heads, the scales are all the same. Whereas any of the things like, you know, if I want a figure of, um, I don't want to say Slimer because Slimer always seems very easy, but like think about something like the subway ghost, Mm -hmm. right? 
when Mattel did those, it was like they had to sculpt each of those ghosts individually. There had to be tooling and molds for every single one of those ghosts individually because they couldn't reuse anything about it. You know, but it's also to me what makes the Maddie collector line 10 times better than the plasma series line. I like them both. They're both in the same scale. I display them both, but I'm always going to like the Maddie collector series better because there was more risk taking there to kind of develop things that even though they made the same guys over and over again, they didn't use the same body bucks. They decided we're going to put them in suits. We're going to put them in flight suits. Now we're going to put them in their, their, you know, their coats from when they do the commercial. And then we're going to put different ghosts in with each of them. So that mm-hmm. even if we don't do standalone ghost figures, you have an array of different characters from across this franchise that you can interact with and make as part of your collection, you know? Yeah. And I think that's how you really make this a sustainable toy line, right? Not something that's only dependent on current media. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, look what they did with the real Ghostbusters. They were able to make a toy line for something that they never had anything from the, the cartoon itself, besides <laughs> a couple of figures and vehicles. Right. And everything else is just kind of made up, just pure imagination. And I think that's what right. this line really needs and could really be a year round thing if they wanted to, or every fall right. around Halloween, release the new wave of Ghostbusters figures. Yeah. But it's about getting away from likenesses. Uh-huh, right. Yeah. It's about, it's about saying like, Hey, we have a likeness. We created two figures with the likeness. Now we got to create something else to go along with it. Because otherwise, I think, and you know, not to like use the same example, I think that a lot of people use, but like how many Luke Skywalker figures has Hasbro produced over the course of their Star Wars licenses? Mm-hmm. How many Boba Fett's have they made to the point where they're like, hey, you know what we should do for this holiday season? Let's just repaint Boba Fett into like some red and green and call, you know, put them in boxes and some stormtroopers. We got these figures that are all the same. Anyway, we just repaint them and put out a holiday edition. And you're like, okay, but who, who really, who really needs that? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I want it. It's interesting to see the fact that they don't really try to take care of you for a world building perspective. Like, yeah, if you know, I'm going to buy four or 10 stormtroopers. Why don't you offer me a pack in a discount? Cause I don't really need the packaging. So yeah, you can make the packaging look nice, but it doesn't need to be fancy. Right. And you can throw 10 of those guys in there. I don't need a window on that box at all. Like just for world building purposes <laughs> or the same thing. The turtle line has done. Like they had four packs or eight packs or like larger figure packs out. Like if I know my kid loves this movie or they're looking forward to it, let me buy it all in one fell swoop. Right. Yeah. Now still release the individual stuff if you want, but. I guess the thing that to me that I wonder about this line is I saw the X-Men 97 figures on shelves, you know, yeah. they're, the, they're the plastic free packaging. Cause you know, Hasbro backed down from saying, Hey, we're going to go completely plastic right. free. Well, they're kind of sticking to plastic for collectors is more or less what's happening. It's right. for the regular releases like the X-Men 97. I think that's all plastic free packaging where you've got the figure exposed a little bit. Okay. That's fine. But you're also to save money on that just because the size and scaling they can fit a ton of those on the pegs compared to what they could for the full size figures so when you think about that lower price point but you can stack more on the shelves with less waste i think that's really kind of where they need to be thinking about going yeah i think you're right you know i i think you're right about that and again none of this is to i i really want to stress this because i don't want anybody who's and even tangentially associated with producing any of these toys and doing the design work to feel that this is like a a shot at the toy designs we're getting. Cause it's not like it's, it's about the bottom line decisions that get made about, you know, what, oh, yeah. 
what we're going to choose to put out there and market and ask our designers to come up with and stuff that I think really influences this. And it's not something that's just unique to Ghostbusters. You can see it across many different toy lines, you know, that kind of are out there. But I also think it's been a rough year, you know, like for for the 2023 was not a good year for action figure sales, uh, especially for Hasbro. They definitely took it, uh, took took a rough hit on the Indiana Jones stuff. And I think that they look at Ghostbusters kind of analogously as being like, this is not our brand. It's a license we have mm-hmm. and we need to be careful about how risky we get with somebody else's license versus our IP. And I mean, it kind of makes sense, like why they get in so much synergy with My Little Pony because they own it or Transformers is another example. Like it's IP mm-hmm. they own. Um, yeah. But I would like to see like, I don't know, I guess this is the, a, a way to put it is. You got kind of just touched on this, this idea of putting the figures in one box and being able to buy them for your kid. That's a thing that went on when we were kids, right? Like mm-hmm. there were gift sets of Masters of the Universe where you could get like He-Man, Skeletor. And the two cats together that were not not as widely sold, maybe, but existed that would be put out for the holiday season to be like, hey, you want to get your kid all this stuff at once? Bang, it's done. And I think that, you know, that would be interesting to sort of see in models that would have people chasing figures less and just simply, you know, satisfying need um, more, (laughs) you know, less less about creating hype around things to go and chase. And more about making things in the sense that, okay, well, we know that these are going to be the key characters that everybody's going to want. How do we make them really easy to get? And then from there, if there's some collectors who want to chase after figures that we put out, you know, via something like um, Mattel Creations, you know, a Mm -hmm. website where you can go and get those for higher end collectors, they exist. Yeah, I think they're they're at that fine line, right? And I get it. It's it's the market. It's just is where it is, right? And it makes it super difficult for anybody making these kind of toys and collectibles to come out ahead of the game. But you also need to make very calculated decisions because I look at that Indiana Jones line and I think that's a lot of retail space for a late sequel. You know what yeah. I mean? There's, there's, I don't know what the appeal to that is to a young person without having right. a family member like introduce them to the series. Yep. Now, now, that's not to say you couldn't say the same thing about Ghostbusters, but I think little kids are scared of the unknown and the unreal. And I think that automatically gets their attention regardless of whether or not they got a fan in the family. So I think you're, comparing apples to oranges for those lines, but I saw a lot of Indiana Jones figures like Indy sold great made the main Indiana Jones figure, but there's a lot of the figures on that line that were peg warmer. And there were just the other characters that did you even right. need to make those? You made those for collectors, but put those directly on Hasbro pulse. Hey, we're going right. to continue this line, but we're not going to waste any retail space on this right. because we know that you want it. And if you want it, you'll seek it out and get it directly from us. Yep. Or if they want to save on shipping, they can partner with Amazon or somebody like that to immediately reduce the peg space, right? Warehousing's warehousing, no matter who does it. And this is also like a weird thing to consider. And I don't know how much, how significant it is in terms of the action figure business, but it's real. Like it exists and it has for 20 years. You know, when we were kids, I can remember the guys who would show up and you kind of hinted at this, the people who show up at eight o'clock in the morning to buy toys, but they're not Mm -hmm. really buying them for them, right? But when I was a kid, the big thing everybody was chasing was starting lineup, which is hilarious because now you could, you people can't get rid of starting lineup figures from the nineties. They're like, I have a collection of these. Can I sell them? And it's like, no, <laughs> these sell just about as well as sports games for video game consoles from the nineties. Like there, there's just no interest. Um, 
So much so that my brother actually bought a second set of New York Rangers uh, figures recently that he had uh, holes drilled in and turned into Christmas ornaments. And then he made an entire New York Rangers starting lineup Christmas tree in his house, which is hilarious. Uh, But, you know, like I think about that era, though, there were guys who were scalpers who were running card stores and running, you know, um, uh, like I'm not even want to say toy stores so much, but comic book shops, uh, baseball card shops, etc., who would be out there at eight o'clock in the morning at Toys R Us picking up the starting lineups, chasing down the goalies from the hockey series because they mm-hmm. were the chase items and hard to find, etc. And today there are so many more of those people because oh, yeah. that became an industry of people who were doing it online, who were mm-hmm. flipping, right, who were reselling online at this point. but. Then you have things like, I'll give you as an example, Target's 90 day return policy. Mm -hmm. So if you're flipping, what is really to stop you from coming in, buying up, say, 25 figures off the pegs and then bringing them back 85 days later when they don't sell? You put them out on eBay. You thought you were going to be ahead of the curve. You thought you were going to, you know, oh, look, I was the first one to list this. I thought I'd get five times its value from people who are freaking out because they can't find it. And then they bring it all back and dump it back. It goes into returns. And then where does it find itself? But through the return river of Ollie's, right? It's sort of mm-hmm. like, here's the return merchandise that shows back up. And I wonder how much that is a thing that's legitimately happening at this point, because you see this all the time of like an action figure release happens. You can then look at what's on the pegs at a target, pull out your phone, go to eBay, search for the very same things and find that people are like NECA is a great example. You can watch guys stand in the line, in the aisles at target with their phones in their hands, looking, picking up a figure and saying, oh, what is this? What is it selling for on eBay? And then putting Mm -hmm. the damn thing right back down. Right. Yeah. they, They look at the value and see what it is. Yeah. Right. And so it like makes me wonder to some extent, like if you could short circuit that um, sort of weird cycle of purchase and return, if that makes sense. Right. Or that cycle mm-hmm. of toy speculation. Mattel Creations hasn't done it well because they always put out figures in such a limited quantity and they would sell out instantly. And there would be bots online that would buy them all out. And then people would be freaking out about how they were off on eBay. But in that context, the difference was that the merchandise is then sold. You can't, as a person who's going to be flipping it, just walk back into Mattel store and go, here's the stuff back. Instead, you've ordered stuff online. It's more difficult to return. And, yeah. you know, you've, you're stuck with it. You have to figure out how to get rid of it. So it kind of decreases, I think, the ability for flippers to operate successfully, if that makes sense. I could be wrong about that, but no. And I think. I think there's there are changes that need to be made just in the toy industry as a whole, not necessarily any one company. And I think selling a whole figure line in a single package would be a great way to do that because then you eliminate the scalpers, right? If you yeah. either want the whole thing or you don't, you never have to worry about completing your line because there's legit been times where if something's selling and it's difficult to find, I may wait on the entire line because as a completist, I may not want to get anything if I can't get it all, or I don't want to like right. overpay or triple pay for one item that you know, happen to be the least bundled item in a box that goes on the shelf. So <laughs> I think you got to figure some of those things out and you really got to, 
And I know it's I know it's difficult, but even some of the NECA stuff, like my issue with NECA usually is that they'll announce something and say in the fall, and I was looking for ALF because I love ALF. And oh like, yeah, I know you love ALF. Yeah, took forever to find the ALF figure, and then now I'm seeing all the little the Toonie Terror stylized version of the ALF figures on the shelves everywhere, right? Abundantly in stock, and then I even saw some of the regular um, collector version of ALF on the shelves that I hadn't seen, and I'm like. And that's been a, over a year since that release. And like, it seems like NECA stuff just kind of trickles out. But I, I also think that's partly how they distribute with Target and their, yeah. their NECA reps that are the only ones allowed to put out on the shelves right. in there and things. And then like all the NECA around me is like just so hit or miss. It's like, you know, some streamlining of these things would make things easier, but a general toy store right. would also eliminate a lot of the problems. Yeah, I, I think NECA has some very unique individual problems of the way they do distribution and that they ship their stuff to a store and then mm-hmm. they say, you're not allowed to touch it. Only our rep is allowed to come in and touch it. And so now you have like one rep for a region who's trying to go through all these different targets and get anything out on the shelves. And then the minute it's put out on the shelves, it's ripped off the shelves by people who are chasing it to scalp it because they've been looking for it. And it's like it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. And I find it funny because like you can walk through a target and you can see a kind of disorganized toy section. And then you can get to that wall of stuff at NECA where the rep hasn't been in in a month. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, whoa, it's like this is somebody showed up at a weird flea market and just dumped the stuff on the floor because <laughs> yeah. no one is touching that section of the store. And it looks bad for everyone involved. It looks bad for Target. There's only one Target in my area where there's a I routinely find the same employee who's out there refacing the NECA oh, section. Yeah. Right. And she's like, yeah, no, they didn't get a truck in, but just clean it up. But you go to the other targets in the area and it's like stuff is just laying on the shelves off the pegs. There's crap everywhere. And it just looks like a bomb went off of, you know, of gremlins collectibles or something. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. And again, you're back to like some of the peg warmers there too. Like, <clears throat> yeah. Like the back to the future line. I, I lucked out and I got the Griff Tannen. From Back to the Future too, but my brother still doesn't has it because he never saw it on a store shelf. I saw right. it once and I was like, I'm getting that. Just because I need it. But how many Doc line. Browns did you see of like the original Doc Brown or the Biff figure that was just ubiquitous? Yeah. You could find Biff everywhere, you know? Yeah, regular Biff or the uh, audition Marty McFly that had the yes. translucent hand that didn't go to that scene with Marty. So you're just like, <laughs> could have thrown that in any of them. I think that's the one figure from that line I don't have. I think that I went, I don't need another Marty. And that's because, I mean, that's to be fair. I only need more than one doc because they are different age docs at different points in the story from different movies. Right. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like even that's another great example. Like NECA produced a set of figures there that they produced the same characters several times over rather than giving you like, here's a variation. You could just change their costumes and change. No, like here's a different figure, a different version of Doc. All right, fine. I understand that. But then that was kind of like you got Doc, you got Marty and you got Biff, meaning Mm -hmm. you got Biff and you got Griff, who is really kind of the same figure, right? It's he's a different character, but he's kind of also not, you know? Yeah. And I think the likeness rights to Crispin Glover there, right? We know how he got burned on that. So he doesn't want anything to do with Back to the Future. Right. And I totally understand that, but then you don't have Marty's mom, right? So right. you're missing you're missing key characters there, and you're like, that's such a very limited line for what it is. And then they're just like, right. at that point, gave up on it, but they released the accessories set, which is awesome. 
but then they skip back to the future three. And I'm like, those characters and <laughs> figures would have been very different. Right. And those would have been kind of a blast. Like, I feel like kids would have bought those just to have some like weird cowboy toys. Right. Right. Cause like, you don't ever really I, see cowboy toys anymore. It's and very to be rare. frank, like the movies, the two movies that get the most love are back to the future and back to the future too. And it's three that doesn't, I think get as much, you know, um, merchandising love. So if you put that out as part of the line and said like, look, we're doing a cowboy, you know, Tavern Marty, uh, in the rodeo clown outfit or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're doing, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're going to do a, uh, what's his name? A Buford Tannen, right? If we did a Buford Tannen, like to me, all right, fine. You gave me another Biff, but now I've got all three movies. I can kind of line them up next to each other. Instead, I've got figures that represent two of the three movies <laughs> and yeah. an accessory pack. <laughs> You're like, okay, cool. So I don't know. I feel like maybe we're kind of talking in circles a little bit about this because on the one hand, I'm like, I want there to be more figures, but I want them to also be figures that matter. But I also don't want you to just focus on some of them. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm talking contradictorily, but I don't know. Well, I mean, I think as a collector, you're always going to have a little bit of contradiction just from looking at any toys because a lot of us would love an accessory set, something like they did for the Back to the Future line, even for Ghostbusters, yeah. right? They could have easily done slime blowers for that, you know, stuff like that just to kind of release to supplement the figures. Like, hey, you're not going to give right. me another line but give me some accessories. Yeah. Which I think where some of the kind of the third party marketplace comes into that and the 3d printing and everything at home. Like, right. There's a lot of people willing to fill that for you, but it's just a matter of figuring out that risk versus reward. Right. And you're, you're spending a lot of money just to use the license anyway. And then, yeah. So a certain amount of every figure is automatically going just to cover your licensing fees. I'm assuming then right. cost distribution, all that. And the whole thing is like, how far do you really come out ahead for these things? Right. It's funny you said this about like accessories and weapons, because like I'm thinking of two things now. One is Masters of the Universe years ago. Like they don't do this anymore. But when we were kids, they sold a thing called weapons pack. Like mm-hmm. that's what it was. It was just like, oh, you need extra weapons for figures in your line or you lost some swords and shit like cool. Here's a weapons pack. They're not going to be the same colors as the original weapons, but they're going to be variations on those weapons. And so you've got more stuff. Um, and I would love to see like a version of that that would be, you know, kind of like a plasma series had like a Ghostbusters weapons pack that had slime blowers in it, had like the in scale props. Because the other line I was thinking of that does so much better at that is the Mattel line. Mm-hmm. Like the Mattel line, what it did was it didn't give you weapons packs but it gave you figures that had a ton of accessories such that you had like, think about those 12, the, um, the 12 inch figures. Oh right? yeah. Like each of them came with a locker full of accessories. And then when they did the ghostbusters two packs, they had like pull out drawers that had mm-hmm. all these different props, like, you know, the toaster, the slime ladle, the little jar of slime, etc. But like, even the Lewis Tully figure came with like two heads it came with a bucket of popcorn. It came with a slice of pizza, right? It, ca- it came with um, a terror dog head as well. So it was like each of those figures came with multiple things. And the big one that I think of was when they did the last figure they were going to do. They did the Egon figure from the courtroom Egon. Mm-hmm. They put him out as a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. But the whole reason to buy him is like, he's got like 15 accessories from Ghostbusters 2 in the pack or something. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I picked that figure up after you were talking about it because I saw all the accessories in there. I was like, man, that mug alone is just worth it. Right. Like the thermal mugs in there, the toasters in there, the slime ladles in there. Like basically everything they made for Ghostbusters 2 in the two packs 
they turned around and said, all right, well, let's just make an even smaller scale version of it and just shove it in this SDCC pack with Egon. And it was functions almost like a weapons pack for the entire line, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know. When you think about it all being said and done, though, like I'm super excited to see Ghostbusters on the toy shelf again. Yeah. Like, you know, I know the people that love Motu, like I love that they get to go and see all that stuff on the shelves and they have been with the Netflix series and things like that. So I'm so happy that and even the G.I. Joe, I know there's a huge section of G.I. Joe collectors out there that are so excited about all this. But yeah, the Ghostbusters stuff's a little more limited. I'm good with that. Um, and I'm just excited to start toy hunting again. Really, I just think what it comes down to is like it's all here. There's going to be so much new fun stuff to do with this. This is really kind of resetting and world building for the Ghostbusters going forward. And I think this is really going to be the time where we start seeing a lot of new fans come in and assuming yeah. everything goes right for the timing. There's no pandemic. The movie hits, the toys are out on shelves ahead of time. Cause let's face it. How many times as a kid, did you see a toy and say, Oh man, what's that all about? And then you're going to see the movie just because you saw the toy or got a toy. <laughs> and then you want to know what you're playing, you know, like how, how, what am I doing here? And I think that's really setting up the next generation of fans. Plus we're hitting the 40th anniversary. So I can't imagine there's not going to be some other exciting stuff come out too. I agree. You brought up this idea of being excited about toy hunting and I'll ask you two questions to consider. One, you talked a bit about the firehouse and other things. What's one, one additional thing that you would say that if Hasbro produced it and put it on toy shelves, you'd be more than thrilled to buy it. Like what's something that you hope to see? I would, regardless of what it is, I really think they need another playset. Like, I mean, I, I, they list the Ecto one kind of as a playset. Right. But that Ecto one is so cool. Like I would love to have more to go with it. And so I just think another playset or like an, a, a ghost attack playset or something like that, like make yeah. it a whole thing where I've got, you know, something that'll move the ghost up and down. I think about some of the Mario toys that I have for my kids and like the haunted mansion, like it's a very simple playset, but it's very cool at the same time. It's very basic, but it gets the point across. So like, give me something like where the ghost can kind of move or interact with and make it look like it's floating or flying where I don't have to hold that. So I can hold the Ghostbuster and have him catch the ghost. <laughs> something along yeah. those lines. And like, and if you think about Frozen Empire, like give me something that has some like ice spikes sticking out of the ground, some, something silly like that, right? Yeah. It doesn't even have to be the firehouse. It can just be a street and the little fire hydrant, right? Things like right. that. I was thinking that uh, given the Frozen implications of the movie, that I would love to see a set of Ghostbusters figures that do the old school color change technology thing. Oh yeah. Like Remember the slime heroes. Yes. That'd yeah. Be awesome. Like it would be cool. Like we don't, we don't see enough of that anymore. I think, but like that was a toy mechanism when we were kids of like, get a piece of ice, you know, get, get an ice cube and rub it on your figures and watch them change colors and thing. And you know, or take them in the bathtub or <laughs> whatever you're going to do with them. And I think it would be kind of cool to do, you know, figures that changed as a result of being frozen would be kind of neat. Um, that would be pretty we'll awesome. It, that would be kind of cool. So you never say never. I mean, I know Hot Wheels still does a ton of color changing stuff. My kids That's also true. love Hot Wheels. And so they still do like the color changing cars. The paints are all still out there. It's just a matter of right. having the market or the right toy for it. Right. Cause not all toys would benefit from that, but frozen empire makes a lot of sense. Some ice cold yeah. water, have some suit changes and stuff like that. Make them look slimed or whatever. Yeah. Have everyone different even, slime color. Even like um, expression changes, right. Mm -hmm. If you had like the ability to do, sort of in, invisible paint and then when you change when you expose them to color their faces get terrified and you sort of have frozen tear ducts you know that would be 
to me, yeah. I was like, that would be a really cool way to do this, but I don't think we'll get it. <laughs> no, but I think that's something that's feasible though. Like I never say never, right. That, that's something that can be done. We've seen it before. So like, let's yeah. make that happen again. Cause if you want kids to play with more toys, that's a great way of doing it. Um, I guess the other question I'll ask you sort of wrap up for this, this conversation we're having about toys. I know that you have worked in loss prevention for target in the past and you are a toy hunter who's very prodigious and you know i want to say is prodigious the right word i was gonna say prestigious but i don't think you've received any awards for it no i have <laughs> but, not i have not <laughs> you're you're effective at hunting for toys especially with uh with target knowledge what are to say like uh do you have like three tips that you would give to folks who are out hunting for action it doesn't have to be ghostbusters but like three toy hunting tips that you would provide to folks out there um to be successful at finding stuff as it's coming out. Um, so there's a couple like barcode apps. I know people like to use. I don't do any of that. I truly enjoy just the thrill of being shocked when I go to a store. Yeah. Now that being said, I know that people that like to be spoiled on where stuff's at. Like if I see something, I know my friends and I are looking for, we'll always share toys. Like if you go in the strange glow video group chat, my friend Nick does a lot of like, delivery service and courier work and stuff like that. So he's always in the stores and he's always like, Hey, here's this, what this target has, or here's what this Walmart has. Um, so if you don't have a friend that does courier work like that, like uh shipped and all those types of things, get one yeah. because they're easily, <laughs> they can easily check on toys for you. Right. I guarantee right. you in your circle of friends, you know, someone that does that at least part-time. So have that friend there that can always check on things for you. The other thing would say, never buy something you're not a hundred percent on. Like just put it back because yeah. like, if you get in that thing where I go like, Oh, do I really need something? I don't. And if it's something that I was just kind of half-hearted about, I'm taking something off the shelf that someone's going to be loving the minute they see they're like, Oh, I've been looking so hard for this. Right. And I'm just kind of like, and eh, that'll, that'll scratch the itch for today. And <laughs> you know, and I think there's, there's so much of that out there. And, you know, that usually only happens to me with clearance stuff anymore. And I'm like, eh, that's for that price. That's really cool. Or that's really good. And then the last thing would be, you know, just get in with your other toy collectors around town. Don't make it a competition. Be friendly with each other. You guys are all yeah. out there doing the same thing. Like, why have enemies for looking for toys? Right. I know that when I used to work at Toys R Us in high school and I'd work Saturday mornings, we'd always have the Hot Wheels guys come in. And all the Hot Wheels guys that we had come in our store were all pretty good about getting along, but I'd heard stories from managers that worked there. They're like, you got to watch those guys. Cause sometimes they get into fights and stuff and we right. never had that. So just be mindful and respectful of your fellow toy collector, because we're out there doing the same thing. Cause we love it. Yeah. I mean, I have to say that part of the reason I wanted to have you on and I talked about it at the beginning was that I was so amused by you posting the DPCIs because it was something where when I saw the fright features figures come out, I started talking about them with folks and the first messages that I got from some friends who are hardcore toy collectors was, did anybody get the UPCs? Mm -hmm. Right. And it was yeah. just like, <laughs> I was like, no. And then somebody else messaged, did, did anybody get the UPCs? And then I messaged somebody who I knew was in Austin and had seen those figures. And I said, did you happen to get photos of the backs of the boxes of the UPCs at all? And they said, no. And I said, all right, you should try and get those in the future. Cause that's what helps us find them. And whoever, you know, that within an hour, somebody had gone back to that retail establishment and taken photos of the card backs and put them online. So the UPCs were out there. But that to me, I think is like the most useful thing to know is like, you know, it's not like crazy knowledge, but the DPCI number, especially at Target, to me, I always think of it as being like the magic thing because 
I think a lot of people are afraid to approach store associates because they think they don't want to be bothered or whatever. But every time I approach a target associate and be like, hey, can you look up a DPCI for me? They're like, yeah, sure. And then they can Mm -hmm. tell me like, oh, we don't have it, but it's at a store like 20 miles from here. They have five of them or and, and it's like something you don't get online, you know. And you can check the Target app and usually like check the store near me or whatever like that kind of helps with that. But it's not as good as having the employee check. No, especially because the employee check can tell you things like when the restock is going to happen or any of those things. And so I often say, like, one of the ways to be successful at this is be kind to your Target store workers. I don't think this necessarily goes as well with Walmart, to be frank. But well, the other thing (laughs) is any any toy store that has a barcode scanner. If you have a photo of that, it should scan that barcode yes. so you can see if they carry that in inventory, right? Because we saw yeah. even with the last Fright Features line, Target carried the version of Winston and Ray with the, the Slimer and was it a Teradog tie-in? And then Walmart had yes. the other version. So to right. be a completist, you had to go to two different stores right. and different barcodes. So you can at least scan those things and see like if they're in stock nearby or yeah, get their, their um, identification code. I know I've told you this in the past, but I don't know that I've said this on the podcast. Um, in my hunt for the RC trap, when I was trying to figure out if it was being released in the U S it was always odd to me that I could take a barcode picture like that I had from the RC trap box and I could walk into target and scan it at the scanner and it would come up and tell me that they knew what it was. It would show me a product photo for it. It would show me the model number and then it would tell me they didn't have it in stock, but it was one of the ways that I knew that target was destined. They were originally destined to get the RC trap because you could walk up with barcodes and just scan them and the system knew about them and had, you know, the marketing promo images for, for everything. And I went, so they really were supposed to get like an order of these and they just never got them. <laughs> That's, <laughs> but, um, it is interesting that, you know, when we live in these times where now we can take all these pieces of data and walk in the store as opposed to just, um, show up several times a day. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but, uh, my dad, when he was hunting for starting lineups, when I was a kid, his version of this was he would drive past the Toys R Us in the morning and he would write down the truck numbers on the back of the store. Uh, so he knew what truck had been unloaded that night before. And then he would come back on his way home on his way from home, from home from work and drive around the back of the Toys R Us and look at the truck numbers. And if they'd changed, he'd walk inside and ask the guys, do you guys get a truck today? And if they told him no, he would say, then why is the truck number outside changed? <laughs> He got figures that way more than once <laughs> that the wild. guys were just holding. They were holding in the back. It turned out there was a ring of guys who were selling starting lineup figures out of the back, you know, uh, and, you know, well, charge 60 bucks for this goalie and they would buy them and then sell them out of the, uh, the back of the Toys R Us to customers until dad got them in trouble. Quite frankly, <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> that wild. changed. Yeah, that's but, pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. In general though, be kind to the people that work at the store, be kind to your fellow collectors. And that really just goes, Super easy for us. Yeah. Make life I agree. easy. Anything else you want to throw out there, Justin, um, before we wrap up this episode of Extra Plasm? Anything else in terms of toy collecting or Ghostbusters collecting or anything else you want to say to folks? Just a few, I guess, closing thoughts would be I've got um Ghostbusters Frozen Empire teaser posters. And if you're in the Kansas City area and you want any of those, just reach out to me on my socials, either at Strange Glow Video or Mr. West Studios on Instagram, if you want to get a set of those for free. Um, I got those from Sony, so I'm just trying to get those out to people that will appreciate them and want them. And then the right other on. thing is, is if you're looking for 
Um, buttons, we do got a little button shop. I make one and a half inch buttons. So I've got a ton of Ghostbusters ones up there right now, inspired by the new movie. So if you want some swag to wear on there, so, you know, you need your pieces of flair and I'm selling them super cheap for them. You know, I'm not trying to make any money. I'm really just trying to get them onto people's hands just because it's Ghostbusters. I know everybody loves that stuff. So throw it on your horror movie jacket, throw it on your flight suit, whatever. <laughs> but we've got the battle jacket. super cheap. Yeah. So. Uh, I think that's a Chris, a Chris Stewart expression, the Ghostbusters battle jacket. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, where did they pick those up? Your Etsy store? Yeah, on Etsy. So if you go to strangelovevideo.com, it's got a link directly to our Etsy. And uh, you can also find us directly on Etsy to search in Strange Glow Video. Links are on all the socials too, I believe. Right on. Um, and of course, people should check out Strange Glow Video. You all are still putting out episodes and putting out content. Um, what's your most recent episode on? Do you remember? Uh, so we did a Ghostbusters two commentary in the end of 2022 going into 23. And so this year we just did a brief conversation, um, kind of around is Ghostbusters two a Christmas movie or new year's Eve movie. Obviously I think the answer to that's pretty straightforward, but it was just kind of us (laughs) horsing around throwing something else. So, but we got plenty of new comments. So. Well, I'll say that for folks who may have recently come off of the extraplasm uh, Ghostbusters 2 commentary, if you need an epilogue to that conversation, right? Um, it's a sort of continuation of how does it fit to the holiday season and you still need to get one more last lick of Ghostbusters 2 and that's out there for you. Um, but you guys do a great job with Strange Low Video. I know you recently had Tony Taylor on, um, you know, as an interview as well. And, um, you know, I think we have a, such a great community of awesome content creators who are doing the work and I appreciate uh, so much of what you contribute out there and put in the world. And of course that, um, you know, you come out and support extraplasm and come on babble with me about toys for an hour and a half <laughs> on very little notice. So I do want to say thank you to Justin, especially because when I was considering just putting out a quick mini episode, given uh, that we just had an episode over the weekend from, uh, from new year's and Justin was kind enough to kind of hop on and say, you yeah, know, let's talk real fast and then go through a whole bunch of troubleshooting of technical things that went wrong. Uh, because anytime you decide to do anything quickly and easily it has to become arduous and difficult. <laughs> so thank you, Justin. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> I appreciate the last minute invite. It was a blast. So no, let us fun. know what you're so, finding in the, let us know what kind of toys you're out there collecting. If you're seeing anything new, we're looking. Yeah. For sure. If you and if you see stuff out there in the wild, let me know. Uh, you know, at Extraplasm, let's uh, Justin know via Strange Glow Video, uh, or I think you can be also be reached via your Instagram at Mr. West Studios. Is that correct? That's me. All right. Well, we uh, we'll talk with you again soon, Justin. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Jim. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too. That about wraps things up for Extraplasm this week. I want to say thank you once again to Justin West uh, for coming on the show, and I want to encourage you to go check out Strange Glow Video if you haven't already, uh, the podcast that he does on a regular basis. It's a great show that talks about tons of different movies and different things like fan collecting and toy collecting, etc. So make sure you're checking out Strange Glow Video for uh, for real because it's a really great experience. And, you know, one more thing you can put into your podcatcher to listen to from another great content creator in the Ghostbusters community. Beyond that, I, as usual, want to say thank you to Brendan Pierce of Meducci Studios, who provides our logo, as well as Vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of Ghostbusters is not bustin', but is still pretty awesome 
um, and gets used as the theme song Extraplasm each week. And of course, I want to say thank you to you for listening. We are in a new year together and we're going to celebrate a 40th anniversary of Ghostbusters all together as a community. And I can't wait to do it with you. If you have anything you want to share with the podcast, you can, of course, reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram, Extraplasm on X, ExtraplasmPodcast at gmail.com via email, or you can find Extraplasm Podcast on Facebook. Uh, And, you know, keep in mind, if you want to help out and contribute in a charitable way while picking up some cool Ghostbusters merchandise or posters, you can go over to ebay.com slash USR slash Extraplasm and make a contribution to help out kids in the hospital uh, to have a better experience. Um, With all that out of the way, with the new year kicked off and, you know, ready for us to jump into, don't forget what Ernie Hudson says every single week. Try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. 